0: vineyardcc.org and uh, you can connect with us on there. I don't think there's anyone new here today so we'll carry on through there. And we're talking about Jesus. What a good thing to talk about. And we landed the last time we shared on this, the woman at the well didn't we? And, uh, And we read about the encounter that she had with Jesus and what an incredible encounter it was. You know, and and the disciples were just coming back after he'd had this encounter with this woman, and it's it's no wonder that they were surprised as they're coming back because you know Jesus had just crossed religious, ethnic, social, moral, and gender boundaries that were in force at the time. So this was significant. This was a cage rattling moment. Uh, Jewish rabbis didn't speak to women in public, and none of the disciples were brave enough to ask Jesus, "Why did you just do that?" Who's going to question Jesus? (laughs) Nobody. Maybe they're drawing straws and scissors, paper, rocking it. Go and talk to him. But no one would want to challenge Jesus. You know. Notice the woman left her water jar as well. We talked about that. And that's sort of demonstrative of of leaving the old life behind. Uh, Plus it was probably a bit heavy and she was in a hurry to go and tell everybody about Jesus. And uh, and maybe she left it for Jesus to have a drink as well because he was thirsty. Uh, But... Imagine being in that space, hearing this outcast woman crying in the streets, come and see, come and see Jesus who knows everything about me. They certainly knew, that the, the town that she was in knew of her immoral lifestyle uh, and she was the least likely person to be communicating about God, but she just couldn't help it. Come and see, he told me everything I'd ever done. God used her to introduce himself to the many. And that was so cool. So we're going to carry along. We're going to read uh, Jesus, the giver of spiritual life. We're going to finish John chapter 4 today. Uh, And so we're going to pick it up, spreading the good news. John chapter 4, verses 31 to 38. And it says this. This is just after the encounter. So in the meantime... His disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? They were confused. Who snuck him a cheeseburger under the table? I don't know. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. But both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into the labors. We're talking about solid Soul food. Anybody hungry this morning for some soul food? You know, there's always cheeseburgers for lunchtime. That's okay. I'm talking about solid soul food right now. When his disciples tried to get Jesus to eat, Jesus wasn't interested. Instead, he focused on doing God's work, which was far more satisfying than physical food. You know, God's work for him then was talking to people like the Samaritan woman um, and talking to them about God, introducing them. To who God is. And that satisfied him more than uh, food satisfies physical hunger. You know, Then Jesus took the subject of food back a step and he talked about harvest. The source of food. And he compared the people coming from town to fields that were already ready to harvest. In other words, these people were ready to be told about God's gift of salvation. Uh, the disciples probably didn't think of the Samaritans as being right because they didn't like the Samaritans. Uh, they despised them. But the woman told them her faith story and others before her. Uh, and, and she'd had seeds sown about Jesus because she obviously knew that there was a Messiah coming. Possibly John the Baptist. She might have heard one of his wacky messages. I don't know. It's not, it's not in the Bible, so we're just speculating here. But she obviously knew something. Uh, when she encountered Jesus. Uh, And so, because she knew those things, the disciples were there to harvest those seeds that had already been sown before. So to introduce people to Jesus, the the, the sowing seeds have happened before, they get the opportunity to introduce. So they're not necessarily the labourers, but they're there to bring in the harvest. Someone's done the groundwork, so to speak. You know, when we hear or read about people's relationships with God, our faith grows. I don't know about you, but when you hear someone's story about how they encountered Jesus, doesn't it just lift your spirits just a little bit? You're just encouraged to hear what God's done in someone's life. You know, the Bible is full of, um, full of people's faith stories right through the Bible. It's great. And they're honest accounts of people's failures and successes in walking with Jesus. So it's not one of those books where everything's good. There's some bad stuff in there too. People go through some dark times. uh, But don't we? Isn't it encouraging to read the Bible and see that they're real people as well? They're not just these superheroes that everything was good for. But they walked through life and had life's challenges and, and, and then saw God do amazing things. So reading the Bible as well as listening to others relate what God has taught them encourages us to trust Him even more in every aspect of our life. And when we tell others about our faith journey, we motivate others to get to know God better. It's sowing the seeds, isn't it? You may not necessarily reap the harvest and see the soul saved, but our responsibility is to sow the seeds and bring in the harvest when it's ripe. But we don't get to choose when it's ripe. Does that make sense? Sow seeds, reap the harvest when the time is right. Real satisfaction comes from doing God's will not from accumulating more stuff. Although that stuff's great, but it's not about that. Uh, it's not about going from relationship to relationship like the woman at the well had done. Many husbands, many relationships. If you're trying to fill your life with anything other than God in order to feel full and satisfied, you'll never be truly happy. There's always going to be this void. And only God can fill that void. And, and, and so that's why we all have a need Of him. Let's read now John chapter 4, verses 39 to 42. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Saviour of the world. It's ear belief, isn't it? They've heard directly from Jesus. You know, many of these Samaritans believed in Jesus because of what the woman had told them, But others believed when they heard him teach and present. It tells me that it's different for everybody. Some people can get told about something... And believe it straight away. Some people go to the source and then they believe. It's kind of like that old adage of seeing is believing, isn't it? Hmm. At their urging, he stayed a couple of days to teach them and help them grow spiritually. And as a result, they understood that Jesus is the saviour of the whole world. Not just Samaritans, not just Jews. But their perspective was broader than even the disciples' perspective just a few days earlier. And so Jesus was bringing this message, I've come for all. For God so loved the world, not God so loved the white Caucasian Christians or the the black African whatever. God came for everyone. So, for Jesus to lodge there, eating Samaritan food and teaching Samaritans would literally be the equivalent of... You know, the segregation of black and white in the US in 1950s. That, that's pretty huge. But that's what it would have been like, Jesus going and eating and dining with these Samaritan people, because a Jew with a Samaritan, what's that? You could probably compare it to apartheid in South Africa. It's that kind of level of, whoa, he's really crossing boundaries here. What Jesus did was shocking, it was extremely difficult, it was dangerous. And the Jesus of the Gospels, it tells us this. He's more concerned with people than with customs. Can you imagine Jesus today? <laughs> Here we are talking about religious freedoms and, and you know, the, the, the leftist agenda and, you know, Black Lives Matter and rainbows and unicorns. And, you know, I just added unicorns in. Um, <laughs> So that's fine. Uh, but all that stuff, can you imagine Jesus coming and crossing those boundaries today? Wow. Man, I'd just be with the popcorn. I'm here for the comments. you know. I'm here to see what happens because this is going to go crazy. That's the kind of world we live in now. But when Jesus walked the planet, he crossed those boundaries. He cares more about people than customs. Let's read John 4, 43 to 47. We'll keep going. So... Now after the two days, so he spent his two days in Samaria, he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. That was his first miracle that we looked at. Uh, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Wow. So Jesus is back in Cana. And after, after that brief stopover in Samaria, Jesus has continued on to Galilee and People welcomed him there because word, I think, would have spread by then about the miracle at the wedding with the water turning into wine. So he was welcomed and he returned to the place of his first miracle. Uh, this royal official that came to him served in Herod's court. He would have been wealthy but probably not religious, I wouldn't have thought. However, he had heard about Jesus and his first miracle. So he's trekked some 30 plus kilometers, which doesn't sound too far, but you can imagine the terrain that he's travelled over. He's travelled that distance, or almost a day's walk it would have taken him back then, to where Jesus was and begged him to heal his dying son. Please, Jesus, have mercy. This official was desperate, but he went to the right person for help. Let's continue on reading, verse 48 to 55. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. So Jesus is now a master of distance. He didn't need to be there. For the miracle to take place. You know, Jesus lamented the fact that the Galileans subscribed to the seeing as believing philosophy. The official didn't get sidetracked with uh, that, that philosophy or with that religious discussion. Instead, he just kept after Jesus to go to Capernaum. Please, go and heal my son, please. But Jesus told him to go home and his son would live. The words of the Messiah. So amazingly, the man did just that. He didn't argue. You might have thought perhaps there would have been a... But please, would you just come? But he just said, at Jesus' word, he took him at his word. So he believed Jesus and he acted on his faith. And on the way, his servants met him to tell him that his son was healed at the exact time that Jesus had said, your son will live. This fact convinced the official that Jesus was the son of God. And he shared his faith with the rest of his household because it says his whole household believed. You've got to imagine his household could be family, extended family, servants, etc. We don't know how big his household was, but his household believed. The boy's healing became the second miracle that Jesus performed in Cana, demonstrating his power over distance. You know, faith is contagious. Have you noticed that? you can walk into a room and you're the only person of faith and everyone else is cold and it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to break through because of the unbelief in the room. But you get in a room like this where people of faith gather in unity and we come expectant. That's why we say the atmosphere of expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Why? Because you've come expectant. It's not about Pastor Jeremy getting up and saying the right words and the right music being played. And, you know, it's convenient the keyboard's here now because we can just bring the Holy Spirit in. But we're not going to do that. Uh, but we don't need any of that. All we need is expectation. Faith like a mustard seed. You know how small they are? If you come into this room expectant each and every Sunday, I guarantee you God's presence will show up. You'll be showered with his Holy Spirit, you'll sense it. It'll be tangible. It's nothing we can conjure up from the front here with our music. God bless our musos. You're awesome. Thank you so much for being involved with us. But without God, without the Holy Spirit, without the people of faith joining in unity, there's just something that happens that shifts in the atmosphere when we come expectant. Faith is contagious. It can rub off on people. You've just got to be outnumbering all the cold ones (laughs) ideally the idea that jesus a jew accepted by the gentle uh, by the gentiles as lord and savior was unthinkable at the time you know it would not be easy for this man to profess faith in christ in the court of herod this this official but facts are facts he had seen and experienced what jesus could do and he believed how could you not i don't care who you are when you've seen water get turned into wine, how do you explain that? <laughs> That's, surely this is the Son of God. You know, although the royal official had never met Jesus and wasn't a religious man, he demonstrated unconditional trust in Jesus. You know, when Jesus told him to go home, he obeyed. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm on my way. Realizing that Jesus didn't need to be present to heal his son. It's like a light bulb moment. He just thought. At your word, Lord, I don't need you there, but at your word. The challenge today is: Do we have that kind of faith? I think in this room we do. I think we do. We're not the kind of people that well. We need pastor to come for the anointing to be there and and get him to pray. Look, I'll come anywhere I'm invited and asked it, but it's important that you realise that you are ministers. I I have the office of pastor to shepherd the people, and that's what I do. But I'm not God. Praise the Lord for that. Lord, help us if I was God. I'm not God. You carry the same Holy Spirit in your heart that I carry. You are saved by the same Jesus that I've been saved by. It's just that I hold an office. That's all. I'm no better than the next Christian. Let's be real for a minute. We're all believers in Christ. We are all carriers of the authority of who Jesus is and we can all confess that in any given situation now don't not invite pastor to come to different things now like I'm happy to be there but it's important that you understand the anointing that you carry as a believer it's powerful do you have that kind of faith faith in Jesus that he doesn't literally have to be in the room but at his word the kind of trust in Jesus so or are you enrolled in the seeing as believing school of faith? Hopefully not. Hopefully not. That's the way of the world. The world wants to see it first, then believe it. But my challenge to you today is to believe it and then you're going to see it. Yes. It's the other way around. So let's wrap this chapter up. We're at the end of um, chapter four. Brilliant chapter. Love it. So Jesus makes a detour through Samaria to talk with a woman at a well about himself and to offer her eternal Life And Jesus told the woman about her past, everything she'd ever done. And taught her about true worship. That it's not going to happen in buildings and temples anymore. But anywhere, worship is going to happen. True worship. And it's going to be heart and soul. And so as a result, she believed that he was the Messiah. And then the Samaritan woman went back to her village to tell the people she had met the Messiah. And in the meantime, Jesus explained to his disciples... The principle of sowing and reaping in relation to faith. Be encouraged today that some of us are sowers, some of us will be reapers, some of us could be both, but we we reap when the harvest is ripe and we don't decide when that is. But be ready to reap. Jesus demonstrated power over distance by healing an official's dying son from over 30 kilometres away. How cool is that? So... Take a look at this video on the screen.
1: I am seeking, searching for the things this world has rejected, the things that are broken, that are flawed, thrown away and discarded. I seek the lost, the damaged, Forgotten things, the overlooked and the neglected, the things that have been pushed aside and left behind. Why? Why do I do this? Why chase after that which is despised by so many? because I have chosen the rejected. I bring restoration to the broken. I see beyond the flaws and the imperfections, and I bring new life to the lost. This world has called them useless and garbage, hopeless and unwanted. They have been scarred, abused, ignored, and unloved, but I... I have reclaimed them, and they belong to me now. They are my masterpiece, and I have a plan and a future for every single one. For I am crafting these dissonant and discarded pieces into something beautiful.
0: Billy, would you come and play? Beth's making coffee. Come, come and just play anything. It'll be anointed. <laughs> I love that video. Chapter four closes out with Jesus healing the son that was over 30 kilometers away. God takes something that's broken, twisted, not functional, not working, and he makes it into something beautiful, just like that video showed us. We have an opportunity today. Is it on? There you go. There you go. He'll make it work. (laughs) God gives us an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and accept who He is. And when we do that, He's taking us who are broken. Maybe we've been misused. Maybe we're not functional. Maybe we've had bits of us torn off in shreds. Whatever's happened to you in your life, you're broken before you met Jesus. But then when Jesus comes, he takes that which is broken and makes it into something new, something full of purpose, something full of destiny, something full of life. He gives you a reason to live. And I can't think of a better reason to say yes to Jesus than to simply find purpose for your life. Some people say it's because you get to spend eternity in heaven. And yes, that's great. But what about this life now? God wants you to live your best life now. And we do that when we say yes to Jesus. So I want everyone to bow their heads in this place this morning. If you're online, stay tuned in because this is for you. Jesus wants to come and make that which is broken new. And it begins with us making a decision to accept Jesus. Romans 10 verse 9 simply says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And from that point on, you are made into something beautiful. So if you're in this place today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, if you're at home, I just want to encourage you right where you are, lift up your hand. I'll see you in this place today. We'll pray. God sees your heart when you're online at home and he comes, the Holy Spirit comes. Fresh wind, amen. Something new, something shifts in our lives when we surrender and say, Jesus, I need you. So lift up your hand and surrender to Jesus in this moment. Let's pray this prayer together. Say it after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came and that you died for me. You've taken me as a broken vessel and made me into something beautiful. So I now choose to surrender my life to you. I confess with my mouth, you are my Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. You conquered sin and death. You've conquered the grave and I choose to follow you now. I'm a Christian, and I love you with all my heart. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank God for people surrendering their life to Christ? God is good. Now this week, take action. Be a voice. Do something. Write an email. Make a phone call. Write a letter. If you need help, come and see me. Don't not do something because you're stuck but do something because it matters, because we want to make a difference for the future generations. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Let me pray God's blessing over you. Father God, thank you for your church. Lord, I pray your blessing that makes rich, that adds no sorrow. Lord, that it would be our portion this week that you would come and lead us and guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit. May that fresh wind flow in and through our very being this week. Lord, as we encounter people who need to know you, help us with what to say. Help us to be a a light in a dark place this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's have morning tea. and.